Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right. Thanks, guys, for joining me here. For uh, for those of you who are here live or those who are listening to this later on, um, today I've got with me Jay Hill, Jason Hill. You find him, I say Jay Hill because you'll find him at ArtStation. Is it, wait, what's your URL at ArtStation? Is it literally mm-hmm. Jay, Jay Hill. Hill? That's right. Sweet. Um, all right. And uh, I've known of Jason for a while. You've been doing the YouTube Same. thing for a bit, right? Yeah, I dripped out a video here and there. I wish I did a lot more, but I've known about you for a long time too, man. Yeah, thanks. So um, you're tell me what you do right now. So right now I am a senior character artist at Turtle Rock Studios in Lake Forest, Southern California. And cool. I make, uh, yeah, we make AAA games over there. That's great. I know um, Steve, he lives, uh, he lives up here and he's in the neighborhood. Oh yeah, Goldstein? Yep. Oh, awesome. Funny. Yeah, uh, say hi for me. Okay. Um, and uh, so tell me what a senior character artist does. Um, well, it probably varies studio to studio, to be honest. Based on my experience, everywhere has got kind of their own thing. But um, for the most part, I would say what I do as a senior character artist, most of my hours are spent uh, modeling and texturing characters. I have uh, other responsibilities, I guess, but that's the majority of my time. Talk to me about this modeling, though. Um, what does that mean? I'll just ask that question and leave it kind of vague, but I'll get some clarity. Okay. Um, essentially, um, there's a there's a long and complicated process that ends up with a game asset, with a game model, and mm-hmm. that that involve that process involves various types of modeling. Um, uh, you know, that result in the high poly and the low poly, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then I do the textures too. So, I mean, what they want, the end product is a, is a model that looks good. Everyone's happy with, and it runs in the game. It accomplishes all the animations and stuff. You know, it, it accomplishes everything they want from a character point of view, from an asset point of view. So really I make a game asset, but obviously, as you know, most of, uh, most of what I do is, uh, all other kinds of stuff like modeling high poly and modeling, um, you know, I do hair and X-Gen actually a lot of the times now. So there's a lot of different weird processes to make these game assets. But that's what I do is I I make game models. Well, I, I ask that because you say modeling as opposed to sculpting. Mm-hmm. And um, so I guess the the question I've got here is like, what is the software you're working with? Can you give me a sense of that? Yeah, it's it's mostly ZBrush. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, this is my probably my favorite program. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What else? Uh, Substance Painter is a close second. Maybe sometimes my favorite program. I don't know. I love ZBrush though. Um, but Substance Painter has made texturing a joy actually that I had never um, thought of. Yeah. I I, uh, I spent the earlier part of well, kind of my whole life I guess as a as a modeler learning to model. Mm-hmm. And then even the early part of my career, my texturing was pretty weak. I just focused on modeling. And back then, even there were some people whose job it was to just model. And then there was texture artists, you know, so it wasn't that weird. 
and then I got a job at, at Turtle Rock actually is when I started bumping into really good texture artists and um, I learned some stuff from them and the texturing became something I enjoyed like on Evolve actually some of the characters here so like right mm -hmm. here and this is back in the Photoshop days though so these are pretty complicated PSDs but the principles are pretty similar but man when sub when I was introduced to Substance Painter I was uh that was great. I mean, it's so refreshing to use a program, to use software that's made exactly for what you are trying to do with it. Because as a as a game artist and even as a CG artist, you know, a lot of times we're using software for purposes they were never intended to use, or we're using a bunch of tricks and stuff like that. Right. Substance Painter is just built to do exactly what you want, and it's I can't ever imagine going back to Photoshop to texture. But while I was texturing in Photoshop. I never thought I needed anything else, you know? Right. So, but now it's a whole nother joy to what I do now. And Turtle Rock's a pretty big studio, isn't it? I think it's like over a hundred people. over a hundred people, yeah. 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 Uh, and you guys just had a hiring binge, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, we do those in on. spurts. Yeah, and we're still hiring now, actually. You can check the website if uh, anyone out there is interested. Some art positions and some uh, engineer positions. Uh, I, I want to talk about studio, you know, life, or at least whatever elements of that you can you can talk about. Turtle Rocks. I mean, right. I have nothing but positive things to to say. But um, the uh, the first thing before we dive into any anything of like what your what a daily what daily life is like is where's the demand? You know, because imagine you're talking to a group of students, talking to you know mm. people that are aspiring to do this. They want to do what you do because you know it, it's cool. It's like, okay. you know, you got the choice of being a programmer or let's go be a character artist. Mm -hmm. um, but where's the demand? Is it character or is it something else or? Um, I don't know. It's a difficult, difficult question. We should get into this. So this is cool. Um, do you mean where's the demand for character artists or are you asking, is there a CG job out there with much more job availability? You know, it's a. I'm glad we can dive into that too, because <laughs> because that is one of the directions, right? Like, let's say I'm committed to character art. Like, I just mm -hmm. for some reason it's what I love. It's in seems to be in my blood. So, is there um, a path or a demand that is going to get me, um, you know, out of my Starbucks job quicker? Um, you know. I have kind of two answers to this. I'll I'll do my first answer. Uh, yeah. I would say. I would say my instinct is to say it's not AAA game characters right now, okay. because it seems like there are fewer of those. Sometimes when I, when I think about it, um, like I think about how many people in the United States do what I do right now, it mm -hmm. seems like it must be a very low number that mm -hmm. do, uh, you know, that do very much what I do right now. Because there's only so many games that come out a year, so many character artists that work on those games. But there's tons of games. So I think um, not only are mobile games getting better and better, I mean, they're probably better than PlayStation 2, which is what I like loved you know, when I was a kid. So they're going to keep getting better. Um, there's all different ways to, to play games now. Apple just may have a, has a game subscription service. Um, you know, mobile games are huge, uh, RPG type of things like League of Legends type of stuff. So I think there's so many different types of character to make. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I sometimes I tell people like the the character in Journey and Drake from Uncharted are both game characters. So it's very difficult to to talk. You know, you kind of have to set your grounds when you speak to someone because everyone kind of has a 
something in mind when they say game character, but there's yeah. a whole array out there. And some sometimes, you know, it depends on what you really want to do too, you should ask yourself, because sometimes you want to work on a game that's narrative based, you know, or maybe you want to work on a character that gives some kind of performance, or maybe you want to work on a character that is much more of a blank avatar or something like I, I loved that game Limbo and I loved what they did with the art style and stuff and I would be very proud to make a game like that too so I'm not beholden to tons of polygons but that is kind of what is triple a quote-unquote but mm -hmm. I think that is um, a relatively small it's a it's a large market share money-wise but I think it's a small subset industry-wise mm -hmm. and so my other answer to that question though is I kind of see this as a little bit reverse. So character art is rare. We know that. It's a job that there, there are more people who want to do the job than there are jobs, right? So it's competitive. So to me, I feel like this goes hand in hand with your portfolio, which people, you know, is a big topic of discussion and, and it should be because it's really important. But I think you yourself, the, the person that wants to get a job as a character artist, as you mentioned at the beginning of the question, that's kind of who I who I talk to, I think, and who I am is someone who wants to make characters. And I that's more important to me than the game or the movie or the whatever, even though those things aren't important. I would never do something that I, you know, that I'm not excited about. But I do for some reason or another, I'm drawn to the idea of making characters. So then it's my job to carve out a space online as someone who makes characters. You know, and so really mm -hmm. in the whole supply and demand chain, there should be demand for us. Like we are the supply. So you want to make you want to make your portfolio, you know, your presence, your examples of your work online to have somewhat of a clearish message. So when people that are looking for that come along, they find you and contact you. So, you know, it it to ask the question, it kind of makes it seem like, you know, what should I aim at? Really, I just aim at CG characters, like the thing I want to do. And then if you, you know, if you do a good enough job over a long enough period of time, there will be a demand for your type of work or, you know, just over time you will be contacted, but you'll be able to carve out a better and better, you know, product, quote unquote, as yourself online. And then you'll be contacted by opportunities you may never even have thought of. And those are just as valid. So as long as you can if you want to be a professional doing something, then I think it's important to just first focus on being good at that thing, being a, a good student at that thing, being a good practitioner at that thing, and then carving yourself out, trying to paint an image online as someone who does that thing. And then eventually there might be someone who needs it for some reason. So you never really can anticipate where that's going to come from, you know? Yeah. We talk about this, uh, an element of that in the boot camp a lot and how this industry is kind of the way we phrase it is a threshold industry. Like it's, you have to pass a certain threshold or it doesn't matter. Like being good's not good enough. You know, mm. you gotta, you gotta have this certain quality to the work. Um, and it's got to hit, you know, all the bells and whistles so that it attracts the attention. Mm -hmm. Um, you've been at this yeah. game for a while and mm. you've worked in the industry when the, um, when the tech was more limited, now it's, I mean, the tech is getting crazier and crazier all the Crazy. time. Crazy, crazier, yeah. yep. So given that, how do I make myself stand out? And the mm -hmm. subtext to this is 
somebody's coming to game art and they're looking at this they're looking at 10 years of tutorials online they don't know what's relevant for the oh, future yeah. what's okay. not relevant for the future mm -hmm. and so you know my students come in all the time and they're like you know and they start making low poly models from you know 10 years ago okay big ass polygons in it and whatnot and you know forgetting that in some games the polygon count for these things goes you know north cl close to a hundred thousand you mm -hmm. know polys so how do i make myself stand out um in this community today Okay. Um, I think to stand out, I mean, the simplest answer is to say, you know, you make, um, <laughs> you know, you make an attention grabbing piece of work. Right. But uh, let's see, let's drag this over here. Okay. So I always find this interesting. Let me open this guy up. So uh, you see my screen, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. You're looking at uh, Hanza on your yeah. art station. Yeah. Girl with so, a bow or, mm -hmm. yeah. Bow. Girl with this bow. Exactly. So I made this uh, years ago. You can see it says three years ago here. So I did this as kind of an experiment uh, myself to learn a little bit more about um, some modeling techniques. Uh, I was excited about this subject matter. I wanted I wanted to experiment with um, a certain type of stylization that I was thinking about. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, I wanted to try fan art. So this is a, a gender swap of a character from Overwatch, which is a Blizzard game. Oh my gosh, what happened to me? Okay. Um, this is a gender swap of, yeah, a character named Hanzo from Overwatch. And uh, it's a character that I really liked too. So I played this game for a bit when it came out. And then uh, I made this. So this, uh, I just find this interesting. And I like to point this point to this as an example uh, for a lot of things is um, because this is my most, uh, this is this work is the thing I've had most attention from, okay? Mm. Mm -hmm. And I and I have had job offers, or at least offers to go speak to people at studios um, from this. Mm -hmm. Okay, and this is not this is not at all game art, but this is art related to video games. Mm -hmm. So I think this is kind of interesting. So this is a couple of things to me. This proves in my portfolio. One, I have a well-rounded portfolio. You know, you you you, when you're talking about any individual, you kind of want to think of your portfolio to have some corners here and one of them is wireframes so if you have if you have one good solid example of a wireframe to show that you can clean model then you're fine so i don't have a wireframe in here though so and i did that intentionally and i was curious if that made a difference because when i was coming up wireframes were like the shit you know yeah exactly and, and i have some but this is this modeling is pretty clean mm -hmm. but this is to test a workflow i had which was I did some of this modeling in Maya, but most of this is ZBrush. Some of this mm -hmm. is ZModeler, and then this is all textured in ZBrush. Um, some, you know, some of this stuff is. Uh, anyways, this is just moved to KeyShot, and then all the texturing is procedural. Mm -hmm. So there's not even like UVs. It's automatic UVs. Um, you know, the idea was to make something that looked like a finished CG illustration, but in a little bit less time you know, without doing any kind of production modeling, because I do production modeling all the time. So anyways, I just think it's interesting that, you know, I get attention and um, and this works great for me actually as a portfolio piece, but it's it's not a good piece of game art. It's not a good piece of production art. Um, you couldn't rig and animate this. This is fiber mesh hair that's just posed in this position. You know, it's very much frozen. Um, and this, you know, this this is like, 
uh, you know millions of polygons probably so there's no low there's no low poly high poly all that stuff mm -hmm. and, um, and it works great as a game art portfolio for some reason so i think that's a good um that's a good example because also this is more quote unquote evergreen in my portfolio because i don't show a wireframe and it's really what it is is kind of a higher quality cg like pre-rendered again it doesn't work as a production model but it's just um you know it's using subsurface and all these high-end stuff and uh and it gets the same portfolio for a long time because if it were a low poly model eventually it's like well you know i want to be more modern but this just kind of works as a piece of illustration and some modeling and uh similarly this you know steve jobs is is i wanted to learn more about uh maya's x-gen uh which i've had some experience with but i wanted to make actual x-gen hair mm -hmm. uh, this has the newest um um sorry arnold shaders which i wanted to use the latest ones of that i wanted to try all kinds of stuff and right. this was my opportunity so again this doesn't really belong in a game art portfolio but i don't know it works and, and also i feel like it's a difference between us being professionals and knowing a lot and then not only the public but sometimes even hiring people within companies and sometimes even artistic people within companies they don't really you know think that far in they just go oh i really like this cg art or this modeling or this rendering or the skin you know like maybe someone just wants to see oh this person can do faces or oh this person it looks like this person you know has good taste essentially you know i think that's what they're picking up on and they're looking mm -hmm. they're saying oh he can model he you know he knows rendering he knows lighting all whatever so i think of myself i tell students too when they're building a portfolio this takes years though so it's kind of a hard pill to swallow but eventually I, I think of the portfolio as like your online store and you know and you don't really know who's coming to your online store uh all your customers are people that could hire you and your you know your thumbnail the name the subject matter the description everything i think about as uh as a way for someone to click it to get their attention first to click it to read it to look at it and i try to really design that experience um so that you know people check out the portfolio and hopefully it leads to opportunities Mm hmm. That's pretty cool. I kind of want to sit with that for a second, because number one, you said evergreen, which is like a that's a that's something marketing. It's a marketing yeah, it's like term, a online marketing term. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and you have a bit of a you've got a really strong brand like with what you do on YouTube and whatnot. Um, so have you kind of studied online marketing a bit? Yeah. Awesome. What were the takeaways that you got from that and how you apply that as an artist? Um, I might be able to think of some specific examples, but I think essentially everything stems from I want to myself continue to be a professional um, mm -hmm. character artist. Yeah. And uh, and do everything I can. You know, I kind of think of it like um, like I would a video game, but this is the most important one. So I try to do as much as I can to give myself an edge. And that's one of the things because I think it's important, even though um, I don't know, it sounds kind of gross. And I, I try not to I try not to take part too much myself, but we are in a click culture, like an attention, uh, an attention culture like mm -hmm. people's attention is valuable yeah 
and my job is related to that. Sometimes I think I probably wouldn't be on social media if it weren't for my job. I don't know whether or not that's true, but I honestly just use it for my work. Mm-hmm. But I do think of, um, you know, how many people see it. And like I mentioned with Hanzo, like I know, I know that that is, um, that is my that image is one of that image is the most seen image that I've made, and that that's a good statistic for me to know. Um, I don't know. Some genius of business said something like, "You can't improve it if you can't measure it." So I I measure things like I have a statistics, and um, I track them on stuff um, that I want to improve, like everything, you know. And it's like uh, it's like anything. I mean, um, if you were an athlete, you would track how many. Like if you're a basketball player and you wanted to get better at shooting, you would track how many makes you make a day, and you would try to improve that. You know, if you were trying to build muscle. You would track how much weight you lift and how many reps, and you would try to improve that. So it's yeah. it's just that it's just trying to take it seriously, and trying to get get better. So, anyways, like I know about that Hansa thing, so I mentioned some lessons I think I've learned from that just by knowing that statistic, and I find it interesting that, um, you know, it's not at all a production model, but people want to hire me to do production art for them. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it is, and that, I'm so glad that you said that because that's one of the big lessons I um that I think is important for artists is, you know, cause, and, and I think the evergreen term is the perfect way to describe that. Because if you're showing the, if you basically are making a game for today's pipeline, that pipeline is going to be gone in two years. Yeah. You know? And so basically you're just saying, I'm going to make, you know, a lower quality image. That's just going to get worse over time. Where is that a winning situation? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It's not. So Focus on your high poly. Go high so that Go people high. can be inspired by what you do. That's great. Yeah, over, overdo it. Overdo it. Yeah. Uh, someone told me that actually even a long time ago, and we and we began this interview by you saying, uh, "Wow, technology is crazy today." And we're like, "Yeah." And even way back then, uh, even though someone was saying, you know, technology is going to get crazy, every couple years it seems like it just gets crazier than we imagined. Yeah. There's. I w- I'm in this business group right now, actually. Um, I'm having like CEOs and whatnot, and we're pitching, and I'm pitching my different my different visions of where this company goes. And I was in this uh, uh, this meeting yesterday, actually, with um, a neighbor, somebody who lives up here, a neighbor of neighbor of Steve's, actually, right across mm-hmm. the street. And um, in my meeting, all of the uh, people. They're always like, grow, grow, grow. You got to grow a company. If you're not growing a company, you're dying, you know? And so then they're like, well, you got to take it, you know, you got to give away equity so that you can get in with VCs and venture capitals and you're growing your company, right? And this will all make sense here in a second. Um, <laughs> but I had a meeting with uh, one of my friends yesterday and he sold his company to private equity and, you know, it was millions of dollars. He, he did very well. So he's not terribly, he's not complaining on that front, but the takeaway I got from him was that you actually can't grow a company too slow, which was weird because everybody's saying, Ryan, you got to grow your company fast. You got to grow your company fast. And he's looking at what happened to his company and that company's, you know, grown its revenue five times. It's grown its debt, you know, exponentially. Um, But it started to destroy the work culture. The people are no longer happy. The product suffers. And now he looks back and he says, I could have done all of this stuff slower and better. And the the point that I have here, the thing that's coming to my mind is that we're always looking for that next best thing, right? And I'm doing it too, because I'm like, for example, I'm doing a Houdini class 
um, yeah. on the weekend. Cause I'm like, I got to tell people about, you know, the next best thing. Yeah. But quality is always quality. Oh yeah. You know, and I, and I'm looking at your work and, uh, you know, I'm, and you, you know, even with the stuff that you did, and we should give a shout out to Chris. Um, oh to yeah. Mr. Costa Antropus, if you guys are finding him, but Antropus. he's doing uh, classes yeah. now. Um, and I always recommend people study. Chris was actually one of my very first teachers almost back in 2010. Um, he was a great teacher then. I'm sure he's a fantastic teacher now. Yeah, fly on the wall. I love that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and Chris is one of those guys that he's along this line, quality. So he's hand sculpting pores, right? Yes, yes, which I love. Right, not going the procedural, but I mean, he's also this, taking advantage of things, you know, the yeah, tech too. This, the doing the clay thing, I don't, I don't agree with this. I don't think. I think he mm -hmm. crushed it though. But it is, it's, it's, it's almost so good where I'm like, wow, you know, like why even do it <laughs> digitally at this point? Right. <laughs> so good. But I love that he hand does all that, even all this, you know. So, you know, your advice today. Um, for somebody who's wanting to grow, you know, or wanting not to grow, but wanting to get in here. You know, where are we going with this? I mean, I'm leading with this idea of quality, but maybe you can put some more words okay. around what somebody needs. Yeah, no, quality is good. I mean, um, it's interesting that you say that. I mean, sometimes too, I try to unpack my own thing, you know, uh, and I can really only, I feel like that's the best thing I can do is really try to understand, um, what worked for me and what didn't and why I did what I did sometimes and, and why I didn't, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, like it, it, it's even been foggy to me, like why I've been focused on character for, for so long. Mm -hmm. And um, right now, the best thing I can come up with is it was the coolest thing and it was the hardest thing, you know? Uh, so it was like that, it was like that white whale when you're learning, it was like that thing. I don't know. And I loved like, I got into this because of Jurassic Park, because of Golem, you know, and essentially like, I want to make Golem so that, I don't know. So I've always just tried to make characters. And so uh, high quality is, is something that's important to me kind of all the time. Like I just really appreciate really high quality and really fine craftsmanship and uh, trying to raise the bar as high as you can go and always going higher, like trying to be elite at anything. And, um, that's how I feel, um, I don't know, all the time. So as part of the, the CG artist thing of me and growing is um, like this, like we're talking about with Chris's class, like I took Chris's class because he threw it up on, um, threw it up on Instagram and uh, he said something like, you know, I'm teaching a class, I'm seeing it, how this goes. And so there was like no guarantee that he was gonna do it again. And I've been following Chris's work for like 10 years, you know, that's like as long as I, it's like about as long as I've known about you. <laughs> so I've known about, and he was dope 10 years ago. Uh, Chris Costa was amazing sculptor 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so he's one of the best sculptors on earth. And he's like, I'm going to teach a class. So I'm like, of course. So I don't know, maybe that's an example to, to people because I've been working for a long time, but I I'm always wanting to learn um, new things. Um, and only in hindsight are things clear. So I think that's another thing that when I'm speaking to a student, I try to be clear about like, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. It kind of helps to be okay to drift 
um, forward without no, knowing too much. You know, you kind of really just need to know how far you're willing to move or if at all. And then other than that, if if opportunities show up, you know, weigh your weigh how it's going to go. And then, you know, if you have to go from port to port, that's fine. Um, but I mean, in general, I just want to be doing this kind of stuff. Like, I don't know, I'm just, I'm fascinated with this kind of art and computer art. And so, you know, if, if uh, I like games too, I love games. I love first person shooters. So right now it's like my two loves together. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing about, you mentioned um, pipelines and how they're going to be dead in two years or something like that. And uh, I feel like at work right now, I feel like I'm kind of doing a new pipeline that I've never done. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's getting every, every time I make a game, obviously it's better and better. So it's really problem solving. That's kind of what CG art is, I think. And, right. um, and so, kind of what that Hansa piece let me do, even what Steve Jobs here let me do is there were some new aspects to, to the work that I got to try. And then there was a lot of stuff that I've done a lot. So it's practice, and then it's uh, at the same time it's experimentation, and it's a portfolio piece. So an- another way I kind of think about things is, you know, one of my uh, one of my friends is uh, Anthony Jones, AJ or mm-hmm. Robot Pencil online, mm-hmm. and he has built this great following over time by being so prolific, mm-hmm. you know, so consistent over such a long period of time, and have carving out this like he has like a style that he's developed, and. Um, uh, you know, sometimes I'm envious of him because of his speed and everything. He got so fast, but this just my natural proclivities, you know, have me going into these, um, get down these paths that are really time consuming and I'm really like detail oriented, you know, and actually when I'm doing these works, like for myself, uh, it's similar to Chris's stuff. And that's why I wanted to take Chris's class to begin with, because, um, not only do I think he's one of the best sculptors on earth and it would be you know, I would feel like I would be a miss remiss if I didn't take his class and learn from him. Mm-hmm. But I I love his philosophy too, that outside work, he wants to practice his artistry and craftsmanship. So I, I did the same here. I did all this by from scratch. So instead of using any photos. So, you know, in production, you do use all these other different assets if you have to, but this kind of stuff is what speaks to me and the stuff that I think him, he, he even more so, but because I grew up, uh, you know, a little bit after his era, but ILM was the place I wanted to be. And then a little bit after that, it was Weta. But mm-hmm. even uh, the early Golem, all that was done in clay, you know, by uh, by Jamie. And that was before ZBrush was good enough. Um, when they were making Lord of the Rings, um, digital sculpting wasn't good enough. So they're still doing it in clay. So that's what I wanted to do. And then ZBrush became uh, the way to do all, you know, d- yeah. sculpting. And, uh, and that was awesome. And then everything changed, but see, like I went to college, so I was going to school. I have to remind myself this. Sometimes I was going to school for game art and I didn't know what ZBrush was. I don't know if it was out or what, but nobody at my school know what it was. And then, uh, I found it, I would run into another kid who knew about it and we would talk about it. We felt like we knew some secret or something, but there was no <laughs> class taught on it. There was nothing, you know? So they were going to graduate us with degrees and there they there was no nobody even knew what zrush was so and and that's obviously changed the industry and the industry has changed multiple times i think high poly is a normal maps is one 
And then PBR, I think, is our latest revolution. And P PBR is awesome. Physically based rendering mm -hmm. is really cool. And then ray trace might be in the future or aspects of ray tracing. Mm. But man, it's uh, it's crazy. But PBR is is great. I forget the name. Um, I was talking to somebody uh, who heads up the hiring or or whatnot over at Turtle Rock does the pipeline, and they were talking about how the big demand that they have is in lighting, or um, the way he said it was in rendering. And I was like, games rendering? Like, where does this work? And you know, then we got to talking, and it was it was a lot about. Um, just dealing with the deferred rendering aspect mm -hmm. of games. Yeah. So um, let's open this up. Uh, I think we've made it really clear that if you want to be a character artist, it is a you, it's really about showing high quality work, right? Yes. Um, and, presenting yeah. yourself as a, a hireable professional, and just and I think tr striving and practicing doing the highest quality work you can consistently for a long period of time. Yeah. And focusing on the evergreen. Yeah, if you can. Um, and also, like, sometimes I'll remove my weakest uh, portfolio piece, like so mm -hmm. these three down here, or these down here were my weakest, I think, right here. And so as I add better ones, you know, maybe I'll cut some. So okay. I try to just keep it good. So how about in the um, game market in general? Like, let's say somebody is inspired by this, but maybe character is not their thing. Are you seeing a particular focus for people? Oh, game art's getting better and better every year. It has been for since, I think since I've been in the industry. So yeah. again, I try to think back, what was I doing, you know, but it worked out for me. I wish I could, I wish I could make it work out for everyone, but the truth is uh, that's not the case. But I think it really, really helps to continue to think about this as a competitive um, job space, mm -hmm. even though you can't see your competition, but that's what you're working for. So, you know, all the same stuff. You can watch, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger pep talk videos or whatever it takes, or Michael Jordan videos, you know, whatever it takes. But not only do you need to practice your own craft, um, but you need to just like grind and work hard. Like, you know, maybe share your work, um, you know, apply to a bunch of studios if, if that has to go. Open yourself up, be okay, be open to different opportunities. But man, in terms of, in terms of making real time art like real-time 3d models art for money i think this is the best time it's ever been right i mean it has to be i i think so i mean it's yeah. the whole reason i created game art institute because i saw this is basically film is moving to game tech real time yeah tech. that's true that's another aspect of it yeah and i know people that work in that space doing um you know i don't know essentially what would you say like high quality prototypes or something in movies yeah. or um, animatics yeah, yeah, but animatics, I mean, because I was in the industry when animatics and previs was just coming out. And I mean, that yeah. it's no comparison today. You no, know? no. And directors always want another kind of uh, thing about here's Here's another example. Um, okay, so here's some stuff in my portfolio that helps round it out. Maybe it's a good example, too, for students or whatever. But um, mm -hmm. so we have this Hansa one on the right. That's not production model. This one is not a production model. This is just a ZBrush sketch. So this mm -hmm. was like. This is all trash modeling. Um, this is a ZBrush, you know, all, all just modeling. Would, wouldn't mm -hmm. work in production. This wouldn't work in production. This would. Uh, this one wouldn't. This one wouldn't. This one. So it looks like the it looks like this one is is for my course, but not for a studio. So I mm -hmm. think 
the majority or at least 50% of my portfolio is made up of stuff that I did outside of professional work. A mm -hmm. lot of the stuff I did for free. And then a lot of it is not production models, but it shows something or another, you know, it shows, um, I think it's more important to build uh, a variety, you know, like if the viewer comes to the portfolio, I would rather them think this person can model, um, they can model different ages, different ethnicities, um, different genders, different mm. different genres you know they can work in different genres and yeah. uh, they can make game art they can make high poly great you know that's that's what i'm going for so you don't really have to do one piece that does it all because i have a couple that do obviously because like these took two months you know of a full-time job and all that stuff and it happened to be a popular game which you, ha you have no idea if that's going to happen or not that was totally lucky but um it kind of rounds it out and builds a picture were you responsible for the whole thing or the character? The, uh, the high poly and the low poly and all that stuff. But the design, the concept design was by somebody else. And then the hair? The hair, I did this hair, yeah. In the game, they changed it after I left. So these were actually the first two characters modeled for um, what became Apex. So when I was there, it wasn't really called Apex. It was something different, but it was similar. It was, it was you know, Titanfall-ish. So I, uh, I made these two characters, uh, and then I moved on and then later they released apex and these two characters were in there and they had done some changes, like some of the color and they changed the hair, which I think is smart. Uh, it takes a long time to do hair. I actually was even telling them about it. I was like, I warn everybody. I'm like, if you're trying to make really high quality AAA hair, it's expensive. Like from a real-time rendering point of view, it takes a long time. So it's expensive from a company point of view. And, um, you know, I don't know if you really want to do it or if you don't have to, but, uh, they eventually went with something similar to overwatch where it's like more of a sculpted. So that's much quicker and much cheaper and it's a good compromise. So that's what they do now. Do, does, do you need to have real time hair in your portfolio? Uh, my students are constantly yeah. wanting real time hair and I'm constantly saying that is somebody's full time job. Oh, so, wow. Really? You know, like yeah. that's Johan does that. That's what he does. So yeah. how does important it. is it? Uh, it's pretty important. Sadly, I don't like <laughs> hair either. Um, I mean, I'll just put it this way. Sometimes when I get questions like this, um, mm -hmm. I can't say you need it, but I can say if I were hiring between two people and one of, and they sure. were equal, but one had hair, I would go yeah. in hair. Totally. And uh, I can also say from my own work experience, I've had to do the hair mm. uh, pretty much all the time, except really? for now. I'm on a project now where we're outsourcing it, but that wasn't always the idea that had the idea had to be floated. And then mm -hmm. we had to look, investigate all the options and go, okay, is this good, you know, to actually do it? So it wasn't, it wasn't an automatic thing. So I wouldn't say definitely what you're saying is true at naughty dog um it might even be true like i don't even i don't even know if that's true at blizzard actually don't you think um like renault does the character and the hair mm, yeah that's maybe maybe slightly different context because of the okay. character but yeah what about um what about what about um oh my god what about i just lost my train ah x-gen all right so yeah. what about real time versus just having x-gen 
Oh, I see. Yeah, in the portfolio, then. Yes. Yeah, that's fine. I th I think uh, I think as a character artist and someone making a portfolio, you you have a challenge of like characters uh, need to have hair. They're so much better yeah. with hair. It's so so you have you you have to solve <laughs> the hair problem yes. on your own already. Yes. And then there's the game art hair. I would say if you want to work as a game artist, at least have one example of game art hair in there. Just you know, choke on the pill and just get through it. It's a grind. <laughs> there there is that uh, tutorial. I've thought about making tutorials and trying to put it all together, but there's a tutorial out there that's that's pretty popular. Um, but anyways, yeah, just doing the game hair, screw it. Do black hair though if you want to cheat. Black hair is the easiest one. <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah, so I got pretty good at fiber mesh. I I, I yeah. you know I worked on a workflow that that can do pretty much what I want. And then um, and then I got pretty good at, at XGen. This is the thing that got me the best at XGen. I usually use XGen to um, make like hair sheets. So it's a little yeah. bit different. I am using the tools, but it's a little bit different. But an actual hairstyle, that was tricky. And that this is like, you know, I was like painting maps on the head and like having all these guide curves and all these like percentage algorithms and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I do like that fiber mesh is much more artist friendly. And this is fiber mesh. Fiber mesh, I can render it in in ZBrush. This is rendered in ZBrush. Um, this is rendered in Keyshot. And I have a better hair shader now in Keyshot. Um, and then here's an example of my craziness. Is it this one? Yeah, so for this high poly render, actually, I actually made her hair again in fiber mesh because um, if she didn't have eyelashes and eyebrows and hair, looks weird. she wouldn't look good. Yeah, she would look weird. And it would it would it would take away from the entire image. So I actually spent you know like a whole day you know <laughs> doing this before I post uh, post this. Hmm. And same thing with this. Check this out. This is crazy. So like, here's the hair I did, and obviously this is from a sheet. And then this hair I did in fiber mesh in ZBrush. Uh, and then I put this over to Keyshot to take this render to post in my portfolio, just so she's not bald. So, lots you know, of work. That's lots of work, but I think we, presentation is important. Yeah, I, I agree. I understand. And the um, we're actually building out uh, another part of the course now that's going to focus on hair. And oh, as cool. we're building this out, one of the like I'm trying to find the central problem. So and. As basically, we've been busting our butt, and the central problem to me for doing um, like in-game hair is those cards and just mm -hmm. laying those things out because that seems to be the biggest part of the grind is just to get these cards to lay out in a naturalistic way. Do you agree with that, or is there something else that troubles you? Yeah, the actual placement of the cards, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, the placement of the cards is the grind. Um and it's meticulous. Hmm. It, it's it, it's a uh, the hair thing is tricky for multiple reasons. One is it's multiple skills that people aren't taking that seriously to begin with. Like you say, placing hmm. cards. So uh, that's already assuming. Like imagine, imagine someone just gave someone else in real life a haircut. Okay, it the haircut will probably look bad. And and both of those people won't even understand why because they haven't spent any time seriously thinking about hair to begin with. Uh -huh. So and that that's a real life scenario where you have real life hair and you still mess it up. So you have to like be able to make an appealing hairstyle to begin with. And then you have to figure out how to organize these cards to depict that thing. 
and then you're you're paying attention to annoying things like if they intersect you know they make these harsh lines so you have to like make sure that they're not intersecting and they're weaving over each other if they have to or just layering on top of each other and then that's the hand placing part but then there's the texturing part and uh in the texturing part if you get the size of hair wrong it won't look right you know it'll look like a doll hair or fake hair or straw and people won't exactly know why mm -hmm. so it's, it's another one of those human or natural qualities that people are automatically attuned to you know having a like a bs meter on right and so we really have to be critical and it's very complicated the other thing that makes hair tricky because this, these aspects are, are similar in the challenges when you're making you know kind of every aspect of a character but i feel like one of the biggest challenges uh or one of the things that makes it trickiest is the delta between I think like what we're doing and what we're pretending it is is so much bigger. Like with with the with an eyeball, it's not that far off from a real eyeball. Like yeah, if you wanted to get into the math and the science of it, yeah, it's 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 off, but it's a pretty good illusion. You know, the face, you know, it's uh, the texture and the shaders doing a lot of trickery, but you know, we're talking about microscopic differences and physical differences and stuff, but hair, when it comes to game hair, that's the one that's the biggest imposter because instead of being like 400,000 small, like, you know, micro thin tubes that are mm -hmm. scattering hair or scattering light too, instead of that, we have these like two dimensional planes with drawings of lines on it. And we're trying to fake hair so i think that's that's another aspect is it's just like the what's really going on with hair is pretty complex and uh, the tools we have to fake it are pretty rudimentary and i think this the the thing that's going to make hair better is just the amount of polygons are going to go up and up and up eventually we probably will even get to the point uh where what it's what unreal is or Epic uses in their demos now, but they're obviously only rendering one portrait head. It's for like demos and um, probably probably even uh, stuff in the entertainment industry, like you mentioned before. But um, they actually just use something like Xgen to make hair like this. And then from Maya in here, I can convert all of these hairs to poly strips actually. And I can say how many spans I want each strip. And I can say, do I want it to be every hair? I don't remember how many hairs are on the human head, but I think it's something like 350,000 or something like that. Mm -hmm. But then you'd get all these poly strips of hair now. And uh, and now Epic has a shader in the Unreal Engine that you can use to drop on a model like that, and it'll look like hair. So it's a lot of polygons, you know, maybe half a million, maybe a quarter of a million, um, depending on how many hairs you do and how many spans you have. So... I and they bought I uh, they bought shave and haircut, Joe's uh, program, right? Yeah, I uh, I don't I haven't heard anything about what's happened after that. I heard that that happened, which kind of excited me. I did use that program back in the day, and I mm -hmm. thought it's interesting that Unreal's. You know, I'm curious what they're going to do with it, but I haven't heard anything yet. Yeah, I'm wondering, does that mean no more hair cards at some point in the future? <laughs> you know? That'd be great. Yeah, hey, I think I I think it's just going to be a rendering thing. It's as soon yeah. as you can shoot through a bunch of polygons. I think that's what we'll start doing for hair. But right now we still got to do cards. So talk to me about, uh, there's a couple of things I want to wrap up because I know you've got a timeline. Um, Thank you. YouTube. Uh, yes. How has that helped? What? How does that work? Because, you know, as somebody who puts his face on camera, it's not necessarily natural. Yeah. No. But 
but you can get into the mood right and and like i'm able to yeah. get in and and do it but it's not necessarily natural so let's tackle the first question is how has it helped okay i think it's helped in uh in probably several ways um okay so here's a here's a weird one for you that i'm sure you're you're well aware of um which is weird is is uh and and it's an aspect of why i began to do it quite honestly but mm -hmm. there's a phenomenon of having an image of myself and audio in that format of a video that imbues me with more authority than i may deserve totally and so that that um happens not that you don't deserve it but i yeah, totally yeah, feel but, the same yeah. thing <laughs> uh, yeah exactly i mean uh, i think we all deserve equal respect but for some you know some people look at me unequally and then they'll uh Anyway, so that's just how that goes. And I think I think that's a natural byproduct. I'm like, okay. And I think that's part of the reason why I even started to make videos is to share my opinion. And in that case, you are you are on a bit of a soapbox, right? You are standing up a yep. bit. Um so but it's helped me in that way. Like even in an interview for the interview for respawn, they pulled up my portfolio. You know, they pulled up one of my they pulled up my website actually. I don't have to do it, but in my website, actually, maybe um maybe it's maybe that same video is right here. Yeah. So maybe, uh, yeah. So here's a video for instance. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, Oh, okay. Blah, 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 blah. And, um, and then they thought, Oh, cool. He does uh, videos too. And so it just makes it feel like I'm, I'm more professional than I am. Right. But, uh, that's the career stuff. And the other way, I think it's helped me because I wanted to get into it to help other people and the kind of like way that, uh, tutorials, you know, there's kind of this thing in our, in our community of like, you learn a lot by watching videos and doing tutorials. Then when you learn stuff, you try to pass it along. You try to share information. Um, YouTube also uh, at that time, YouTube was even a much worse place than it is now. It's a lot better now. But when I made my first video like five years ago, if you went onto YouTube and typed in ZBrush, there wasn't much. It was like videos with no audio, low resolution. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I can even do a 1080p video at the time was uh, going to be different. And then I was talking in it which I got from like video game replay idea. I was like, what if I talked in it, you know? Anyways, um, I think it's helped build a little bit of a community. So people ask me questions and I answer it. Um, I've had students that have told me they they saw my YouTube videos and that's how they learned about me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it all helps over time. And I, and I kind of knew those things to be truths. There's some things that you kind of have to have faith that like just – trying to get better every day, practicing, putting yourself out there online, sharing information. You know, there's just kind of some tenets that if you just continue to do that stuff over time, good things will happen. And it's really only in retrospect where you can connect the dots. But I was just trying to put good vibes out there, make videos, get better at making videos, because I also know that videos are the currency, you know, of the internet and in the future and videos have just gotten better and better. Like, um, so I've gotten a new camera now. I what plan to new I plan to make more videos. I have a GH5 and a GH5S. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah, that's can't beat. I have the GH4 and those things are. Oh, you do? I, I have several, several of them. They're awesome. the best. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Oh, awesome. All right. Um, so then the, I guess, um, let's wrap up a little bit with uh, work life. Okay. Um, and a bit of your, your art life. So one thing I like to understand from people in these interviews is, you know, was there somebody who really supported you? You know, in the context of this is when you tell people you're a game artist, 
they'll still ask, what is that? Right. So it's like, you know, and then, and then it's like, when I tell people, especially here in Orange County, you, you probably are familiar with the Lagoon Beach crowd a little bit, you know, and I'm telling them what I do. And they're like, you're the one, you're the, you're the reason my son is on Fortnite. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. suddenly the, yeah. the enemy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, was there somebody who really supported you on this or did you go alone? Yeah, I think it's, I, I think the answer is my mom and my dad, but I think really my dad has been uh, a big source of support and encouragement. Yeah. And continue to do this. Like he bought me my first computer when I was five mm. and it was like the Apple two or something like that. And uh, from then on, he would just, he liked, he liked uh, Apple computers and every, I don't know how, you know, five years, 10 years, whatever it was, I guess five years, he would buy the new fancy one and I would inherit his old one. Mm -hmm. So my whole life I've been playing around on the computer and he did art. My mom did art and uh, they liked that I did art. So they would encourage that. It was a way for me to be quiet and sit still and focus. And it still is like one of the few times I can do that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, I, they did not like video games, which they find hilarious or my dad now finds hilarious because, uh, they didn't want me to have games. I didn't have a television in my room, you know, that kind of stuff until mm -hmm. I graduated eighth grade. And then I got a PlayStation two, which I played a crap ton of, mm -hmm. but uh, they didn't really like that. I played video games. And so once I started working in games, they thought that was hilarious because they were trying to tell me to focus on my work so I could get a job. And then I ended up getting a job <laughs> doing that. But my dad um, is supportive, even though he doesn't really understand what I do, which is fine with me. A lot of people don't, but uh, like when I shipped evolve, you know, I showed him the art, of evolve book and it has like this picture in it and i was like you know i made this and he's like wow and he's just you could tell he was like really impressed and it's like he keeps the book on his shelf and stuff and um when the game came out we were at like walmart and i pointed in the glass i was like oh there's the game which i think is cool i don't know it's just weird seeing it in the wild you know mm -hmm. and i was like oh there's our game i worked on it for like five years you know and i was like oh there's our game and then uh, and he's like oh wow and then he like turns around and he like shouts at like the employee, like embarrassingly. And I'm like, wait, what are you doing? And he's like, my son made this. And I was like, oh my God, dad, you're so embarrassing. But uh, it's just, it's cool to know that he like really is proud, which is just pretty cool. That's great. That's great. Um, I'd like to wrap up um, with this last question. So we'll have to save the work uh, conversation for later. Okay. Or I'm, I'm trying to drag Steve in. I don't know if I can drag him into a podcast but we'll oh see. that'd be great yeah with he's uh he's got i really enjoyed how he was with his team like you could tell he you know he had a lot of heart in what he was doing mm -hmm. um but, but anyways uh from your perspective do you think your success comes from uh talent some amount of talent a little bit or not at all from talent from hard work or luck oh 100 percent luck um, but yeah, I don't really believe in the talent thing. Although it's funny to say that when I say the luck thing, but, uh, I, I do think it's, it's work. Um, you know, so it's practice over time. Uh, the talent argument, I guess I would have to say there's probably variance as there is with everything. So I would mm -hmm. imagine some people have a pro more of a proclivity in one thing or another, but I think it's probably much smaller than people want to admit. I think it's just uh, time. I think it's just practice over time. And uh, yeah, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> so how's luck figure into it though? Oh yeah, here we go. Cool, thank you. Uh, yeah, so, okay. 
I don't know, man. This is kind of tricky because I think it's good to just stay on the course, right? And uh, like we talked about, long-term success. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, I chalk it up to luck because you know I didn't have any ch I didn't have any choice in in my circumstance when I was born or who my parents were, or if they got mm -hmm. me a computer, you know, if they supported me, if they encouraged my interests, you know, whether or not I saw Jurassic Park. I just feel like every major influence. Um, all I'm doing is I'm following what I'm drawn to, what I'm interested in. Um, and I'm trying to learn more about that. You know, I'm following my curiosities and I'm taking my passions and my interests seriously. And that's kind mm -hmm. of all I'm doing. And then everything else, you know, like with the ZBrush thing, I had no, I had no choice over ZBrush. It's not, now it's my favorite program. I had nothing to do with that. I went to, <laughs> you know, right. I went, I went to school and then it was thrust upon me and mm -hmm. i'm thankful for that i'm thankful for substance painter so really i don't feel like uh uh you know l luck is huge and look i just believe that in general like in life i think uh i'm I kind of uh am more of a determinist than uh, anything else so I, that's just kind of what i think but when it comes to um talent and whatnot i think uh i wish and i was just having this conversation with friends and, and uh, colleagues i wish uh people that did not do art um did think that they could if they wanted to hmm. one of my life missions jason man really? thank you That's so cool. much awesome yeah thank you man i really appreciate you taking the time it's so fun to talk to you man i've known about you, you know a long long time so it's pretty yeah, it's epic for me to talk to you man think it's epic here man and this uh that latest uh, uh jobs my god oh thank you dude congrats that's such this so awesome <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you guys for being here. All, All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. It really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.